0: That's that thing where you have to actually go through that progression of, at first, you're really excited, but then it drops down. And then as you continue to get those reps, you come up with uh, kind of like an un, um, like a wavering confidence, and eventually you get to that, that level four kind of rock star status. So Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams.
1: All right, all right. Welcome back to Building Great Sales Teams, y'all. I've got to repeat, Mike F. Bauer back in the house. He's a sales consultant and regional sales manager for Delta Defense He's got his expertise in sales partnerships and sales leaderships. He's led his teams to 65 million in sales. So he's gonna bring the heat for us today. Mike, welcome back, brother. Man, I couldn't be more excited to be here, brother. Man, it has been so awesome watching your journey from when you came into uh, our mastermind group, Apex, to now, and you just put on your first webinar last week. So congratulations on that how was that experience how did it feel putting yourself out there like that like you know you're badass at what you do but still you're doing all that stuff it seems like for the first time
0: right (laughs) yeah man uh it's it's kind of like anything you know it's you got to rip the band-aid off you just got to go all in you just got to take that first shot and I think just like anything, the first one—if you look back after a long amount of time, you look back at your progress. The first couple times you've done anything, it's never awesome. It's never great. And so for for me, I always try to perfect everything as much as possible before I go and do something. But um, for this, it was just like, you know what? Let's just dive in. Let's use some content. Let's have some conversations, and let's see where uh, where the content goes from there. So it was really fun. But uh, you know, just being the first time that we do everything, uh, it was it was it was different. for sure
1: i got to jump on for about half of it and i was like dude these guys probably have no idea this dude is spitting gold you know what i mean like i think a lot of the thing the concepts and what you were talking about you know if you've been managing sales teams for any amount of time you know probably for a year plus then you understand okay Mm -hmm. i I know exactly what mike's talking about and he's giving me some solutions to common pain points you know versus if somebody just came in and tried to listen to that um at an entry level in sales they would have had no idea what you were talking about like what <laughs> you know sales people don't do exactly what you tell them to do i'm confused you know so, <laughs> i think uh, all right brother it's
0: accurate i think it's accurate
1: yeah okay so i was scrolling through your facebook i think it was yesterday and you posted about this uh company called black rain ordinance this looked cool as shit. you being in you know uh the firearms business you get to do cool stuff like this so you and your team went out to their headquarters and and I guess just tell us what
0: y'all did there. Yeah, so the the people that you see here in this picture, if you're if you're watching the video, is our mid-central team, and so they're the they're the states that um, are we're talking about Nebraska, Iowa, Kansas, and Missouri, and so they did their quarterly meetup, and what we try to do is we try to do stuff when 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 we get together with partners of ours. Now, one of the partners that we work with is a, a place called Black Rain Ordnance that's known for really awesome rifles. I mean, they uh, they joke that if you stick around long enough, that they'll find a way to. Sit Cerakote you, and sure enough, I mean, there's, they've got these, these, these skulls up from, uh, you know, from cows and stuff like that that are seracoted in these really awesome designs, and so just a really cool experience. And their, their facility sits on 300 acres. They're continuing to build out more and more. Their facility is I think they're on their fourth or fifth facility and they're on their like fifth expansion of that facility. So they're just growing like crazy. And it's always fun to be in an environment where as a team, we're trying to get these guys to grow as fast as they can. But then we're also being able to go out and do cool things where we're shooting on the range, shooting, shoot, cool guns with with people that know what they're doing. And so just the overall experience was just incredible.
1: No, uh, it looks amazing, and and you can curse, brother. This is an explicit podcast. You're good to go. <laughs> He's like just shooting shit apart. <laughs> no, that 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 looks cool as hell. What is Sarah coding?
0: That's just the paint that goes on uh, on on firearms. And so the when you have a firearm, you got to make sure that you know these things heat up very quickly. And so there's different types of paint that are going to work. And when it comes to, to Cerakote, uh, that's a, that's a specific brand and black rain is the only non automotive. um, So I'll rephrase that outside of the automotive industry. They're the number one user of Cerakote. Uh, So it's, it's, I mean, they're heavily doing custom work all the time. Okay. So you said that they were a partner and Mm -hmm. what I'm
1: assuming is your team goes out to their, their facilities and whenever they have these classes or they're putting on these events and, and things like that, you're able to kind of not upsell them, but um, sell them on the insurance that you guys put together for them. And so, you know, what I would call that, it, it, it's not really a referral partner because you're going out and doing it for them, right? Mm-hmm. But it, it's still a, a, a partner nonetheless. You know, when I, I've always looked at referral partners, especially in the home service space mm-hmm. as three levels of involvement. Right? you give me all your data, I market as your um, as your strategic partner, or, you know, give your clients some kind of discount or something like that, because we're, you know, we're uh, marketing through you guys, or you guys set appointments for us, or you guys actually sell our, you know, you're you actually sell our products, you know, so there's kind of three levels of involvement there. When it comes to these strategic partnerships, how do you think, salespeople, sales teams, you know, companies
0: should be set up to fully capitalize on them. Sure. So the way that I always, that I'll kind of describe it is I think that we're almost like an in-person affiliate. And so what we do is we're, we're partnering with these ranges, retailers and firearms instructors. And when they have, Uh, self-defense style classes, CCW classes, concealed carry classes, things like that. We're able to sell our our product that includes education, training, and self-defense liability insurance for firearms owners. So these are things that outside of the education and training, these facilities, they really can't do. I mean, they can try to package something together, but it would just be almost impossible to do. And so when we're with them, we're, we're able to go in front of their classes and say, look, This can't be the last time that you train you got to make sure that you continue the training you should do it not just at the range but at home which a lot of times people are like firearms training at home how does that work it's like, well, it's the situational awareness, the avoidance, but then also the the uh, the liability insurance that comes with that membership uh, with USCCA membership. So the cool thing with these partnerships is when we go in there, it's not just a hard sales pitch. We're actually able to provide value above and beyond. Uh, we tell people all the time, you are there to be a benefit, not a distraction. And so when our salespeople go in, if they're trying to twist someone's arm, like that is not how we do business. It's much more of an educational approach. These are the things you should be aware of. Uh, these are the things that you should prepare for. and And uh, for those of you that see this as a no brainer, you can get started right away today. And here's this. So the cool thing is we bring all these benefits in the classroom, but then there's also the additional stuff with uh, certifications Uh, with Black Rain, for instance. They do a ton of law enforcement certifications where these guys from SWAT agencies and police stations are going in to get certified so that they can teach the other officers on the force. And so while they're going through that curriculum, we're a a national training organization, just like the NRA and some of these other ones. There's very, very few of them in the firearm space. But what they can now do is they can go through our curriculum and now they get that additional exposure. Now, that's massive because so many people just want you to send them their
1: your referrals. So many people just want you to send them business. And I feel like, you know, the way that that translates in terms of setting up referral partners or strategic partnerships is one, you're bringing value right? Because of the knowledge and the education and the training that you guys are bringing to them. And then two, they're able to double down using your curriculum. So there's two points of value there. And then, you know, obviously, is there, is there a a monetary compensation in that situation?
0: Absolutely. So we pay for every lead
1: that we get in front of. Okay, fantastic. And so um, there, there's also the monetary compensation on top of that. So I feel like if you can bring, bring the value, you can set up these strategic partnerships, as long as, as you can go, you can bring value and you can walk away without making a sale, but your part has still been upheld. I think Mm -hmm. if you set up the partnership that way, it's going to be a lot easier to grow those partnerships versus it being purely transactional. Like, Hey, you send me business, I'll send you business. That usually never amounts to anything unless there's intent behind it. And obviously there's a huge amount of intention behind what you guys do. It's all, it's all systemized. And, um, SOP'd and basically you guys go in there and 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 follow steps one through five to to execute and to
0: ultimately get those sales, right? Yeah. And it's very cool too because we can we can set up these partnerships in a way where for so, if you were to go into a uh, in the firearm space with like a range, for instance, if you wanted to jump into that and you started breaking everything down, you would find that the merchandise, the firearms, the uh, the the holsters, the bags, all of that stuff, the margin is actually really small. It's the training that actually has a much bigger margin. I mean, we're going from single digits to now very very high double digits potentially, or even triple digits. And so, if we're able to help them in that space, uh, for example, we have events that we'll go to, and it's something where there's a loud, uh, uh, a large crowd of people that we'll get in touch with and we'll find out, have you ever thought about additional firearms training and that sort of thing? And what our guys are, are doing and we, what we try to teach them to do is it doesn't mean they have to lock someone down for a membership on the spot. What they can do instead is talk to people about their partners that they have, funnel those people into their partners' classes, knowing that when they see them there, they're going to go, wow, this was a great class experience that I had. That was the guy who talked to me at that RV fair wherever that I saw him. And now he's talking about this thing. Of course, I'm going to sign up. So it's kind of like a it's a cyclical thing that uh, it's just really fun.
1: Absolutely. Looking kind of past that initial transaction and into future ones. I love that. So you said recently
0: quality is massively overemphasized in sales. What do you mean by that? So I think this is cyclical and just about anything that you learn. But for me, for example, uh, my uh, my son is six and he's just now picking up on skateboarding, which is funny because I was the same age when I started skateboarding. If you take any sport, anything that you've done, there's there's a couple of ways that you can learn. You can learn through doing or you can learn through watching someone else or, or getting a coach and that sort of thing. I don't want to take away from the importance of reading books and, and going to seminars and learning from coaches, but it can't take away from how important it is to focus first on volume. So th- if there's volume and margin, we want to make sure that we go and we just do that thing as much as possible. So in sales training, for example, I would much rather give someone just enough information that they can go out there and they can start learning the process through doing. And then as they continue to get leads and they continue to uh, rack up these amounts of you know sales that they're, they're trying to do, let's say, then we can take that person and we can start going towards from the volume, getting leads, getting in front of people, working the the sales system to then doing the margin, which is all right, now we can start pulling the levers of how you can make the, uh, how you can close at a higher percentage, how you can have a a higher upsell, how you can get more per transaction. And so for me, I think that a lot of times people are overemphasizing, how do I make sure that this is perfect? So we're just talking about that, um, that webinar that I ran. If, if I look back in, in three more webinars from now and i look back and say man this thing was a great success it's because i'm not doing it's i'm not following it i'm not doing enough repetitions i'm not practicing enough whereas instead i should just go and do the thing and then learn through doing knowing that each time it's going to continue to get better and better
1: yeah it's almost it's almost taking the intent out of it a little bit so you don't overanalyze overthink it right mm-hmm. and so when you do that first one that's just getting the first one out of the way you know, if you just kind of mow through the next six or seven, you know, by the time you look back at those six or seven, you'll see a natural evolution happening. You know, we're mm-hmm. human, that's what we do, we evolve, you know, in especially with things like this. So, but then now you've got a data set of seven webinars that you can pull from, and like you're talking about, be able to actually tweak things here and there and and change conversion rates or closing rates or whatever the case is that you're gonna do. You know, I, I see this so often, and, and you can tell me if you see the same thing with your new people coming in, you know, you mm-hmm. give them the model, you tell them to go get some reps, get that experience, you know what I'm saying? And then they start trying to change the model before they even do it for their second or their third time. They start <laughs> thinking that, oh, hey, they haven't done this millions of times. I'm going to somehow figure
0: out the cheat code. Does that ever happen in your business? Dude, all the time, all the time. And so this is something that I actually learned. Um, I I refer to it with my team called the life cycle of learning. Um, I probably ripped that from somebody. Maybe I made it up. I don't know. But where I learned it from, ultimately, there's four different stages on anything that you learn. And when you first start out, so I always thought that when you started out in something, when and you have no competence, your confidence would be really low. But it's actually not true. So you think about the people that have ever interviewed with you, they jump on that interview extremely confident. Man, I'm one of the best salespeople you'll ever have. Put me in, I'm a rock star. But what ends up happening is we put them in, we get them in training, and all of a sudden they start learning some of the systems. And they're like, wow, there's a lot more to this than I ever thought. And it and as their competence goes up, it drops their confidence. And so that's that thing where you have to actually go through that progression of at first you're really excited but then it drops down. And then as you continue to get those reps, you come up with uh, kind of like an un, um, like a wavering confidence. And eventually you get to that that level four kind of rock star status. So it's just something that we've seen over and over again. And so we try to put resources into play. And the best way though, is to try and get someone through that as fast as possible, is you got to help them build momentum quickly. Because the, la- the worst thing that could happen is they get lost in that pit where they're starting all high confident, and then it drops down So that's where, you know, getting those reps through, giving them some, a little bit of training through that portion of time, uh, that's, that's the best way that we found to find, uh, find success with new hires. What do you think about incentivizing, incentivizing them
1: early in their training? You know, like a first sale (laughs) bonus or, uh, when they complete their, their training, some type of training bonus or anything like that. I know, you know, that was something that worked for us really well in door to door, but it's not necessarily universal, right? Because. You know, you guys pay. Uh, you know, what sixty percent or seventy percent of their income is coming from their base pay, right? And so, um, what do you what do you think about that? Like in in y'all situation,
0: where there is a base pay at play. Yeah, so ours has probably flipped a little bit more than that even. So it's actually, it's going to be higher commission based for sure, but we do have a base. And the reason why we do that is I think that you have to incentivize people for the task that you ultimately want them to do. With us, I want our guys to be extremely hungry with the sales that they have. And when they get in front of a lead, we know that once that person leaves that class, it's highly unlikely that they're going to reach out to that salesperson one-to-one so that salesperson can sign them up. And so what we have done is we've tried to make sure that we do incentivize them with Uncapped commission and things like that, that are very typical of a sales role. But we also understand that if all this is, like we talked about before, is strictly transactional, That's not exactly what we want. We do want this to be a partnership. I want my sales guy to be able to walk into a partner and go, so that last class we did this, this was the outcome. How can I help you make it better and vice versa? And they talk through it. On top of that, as we said, we're a national training organization. And so there are other things that go on that our team doesn't necessarily touch. But what we talk about is, even though it might not be our fault, we consider it our problem because it's our partner. And so for us, it's important that we do have that that base there. So that our guys understand that there are going to be times when I'm not necessarily selling, but it's actually going to help me in the relationship that I have. Now, as it comes to the bonus structures and things like that, there's a couple different incentives that we do that that we found to be effective. And the reason behind it is so we we do it where someone passes through training, they get a bonus. And if they pass uh, when they pass their property and casualty license, because it's got an insurance product attached, uh, they get a bonus for that as well. Right out of new hire training. But on top of that, another thing that we've done that is kind of a one-two punch for our culture is our team in particular has has patches. Now, I would laugh at that if I heard like, okay, patches, you're going to get people excited about patches in the firearm space patches are pretty, pretty, yeah. uh, pretty regular, but what we end up doing is, so we we'll, we've got our Midwest moneymakers patch that everyone gets when they pass training. But then we have a couple other things that again, incentivize the things that we want. And so we've got top salesperson type patches. We've got hundred percent close rate in classes. We've got that patch. Um, my favorite one, we've got guys that aren't in a a, a, a dense area of population where they're driving like crazy. And so we actually have a patch where, where, um, Where they have the most amount of payouts per partner. So instead of having just three partners, maybe you have 17 that you pay out in the course of one month and you did more than anybody else in our region. Well, you're going to get what's called the crop duster patch. So it's just these silly (laughs) things. It's these silly incentives, but I'll tell yeah. you, we yeah. thought it was going to be so silly, but every single meeting that we jump on, what do you think? They've got these things in the back of their office mm-hmm. and they're proud to display these things just like as if it were a top salesperson thing. Exactly. So, yeah. so it's multiple different things that we try to do to incentivize.
1: I love it so much. Uh, you know, the reason I brought you back a second time, because you and I align in so many ways. And <laughs> one of, one of my favorite things, things was these uh chloroplast cutouts that we used to make and we had a set for each office so whoever won it they had a they had it in their office and they would hold it out and it would be like exactly what you're talking about you know like you know the wireless winner for the month or the um you know highest quality salesperson or a rookie of the rookie of the month or whatever it -hmm. it was a way to like okay the the top salesperson is always going to get the prize, the trophy, all those things, but you've got to diversify your incentives throughout. And that's mm-hmm. uh, actually a couple of episodes ago, exactly what I talked about. So it's fantastic. All right. So let's talk more about you and mm-hmm. consulting, right? Yeah. So you're starting this journey where you're going to start doing sales consulting. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you think you're going to fit into company strategies? Where do you think they need help?
0: And then what gonna, what's your approach going to be to helping them out? very cool thank you for asking so for me here's here's what i realized about 7 8 months ago the, the thing I talked before, I used the term volume and then margin, and what I found is that with our sales team, we caught a wave that was extremely fortunate, especially for myself in the position that I was in. I started in the call center. We wanted to start this outside sales team. I was one of three to, to be pulled from it, and since then, our sales team has done well over nine figures, close to multiple nine figures, and so the, the cool thing is that I was able to be a part of something right before the 2020 big push for, for firearms where everyone just rushed to get training and they went to get firearms because they didn't know what was going to happen. And all that happened. If anyone was in the firearms, they know exactly what I'm talking about. Ammo was hard to find and it was triple the price and all that. So our team started two years prior, actually it was a year and a half prior. And so we had one year to ramp up and then all of a sudden massive big push. And so we went from 30 people to over a hundred in the year of 2020, even though we were shut down for half the year. And so what that allowed me to do is we went on a complete rampage of being able to hire people. And so just like reps and sets, it's so important. We got to go through a lot of that. Well, what ended up happening is we hire a bunch of people and we go through these iterations. We started with, well, let's grab people that are That are really great from the industry and that worked for a little bit, but then we're like, well, we got these couple people from the industry, but then there's other guys that were these sales guys from the industry and they're really good. Maybe we should focus more on the sales guy. So we started hiring more salespeople, but then we realized, well, if they don't know the industry, we have to teach them on that. Right. So it's that cycle that we went through, but the blessing behind it, there was one, there was one week where myself and our other regional manager at the time, we traveled and we told our, our recruiting agent, when we get back, we want over 30 hours in that week of just interviews. And they had over 35 for each of us that next week. So we got a lot of reps and sets in that most people wouldn't have that type of opportunity. From there, we continue to build the team. But what I, uh, to your question of where do we fit in? What I found is that I am very much a visionary. I see the big picture and I have a lot of ideas that I can bring to the table. But the problem is if you don't finish those ideas and you don't implement them and you don't do it in a way that's scalable, that other people can learn from, that they can build from, all of that is no good. And so where I see a lot of opportunities, I think there's these sales teams that are run by visionaries that really wish that they could go from working in the business to working on the business. But here's the problem. We always talk about it's who, not how. So let's go and find the who, let's go find an integrator for the business. But we forget about the fact that the hiring process is a sale. And if you don't have things in place to sell an integrator on why they should come into your business, if everything's just a mess, if it was just someone going through and saying, let's try this and this and this and this and this, and everything is at 70% completion, nobody is going to want to work in that business because they don't trust that you're going to follow through on their ideas. You're just going to come up with your own. And so I think that it's really important that people start putting together how do you structure these things in a way that an integrator can at least go, okay, you've got this for me. Me. let me step in bring my expertise from where I'm at and now we can start cleaning up that hurricane mess that you had but we can kick it into the next gear
1: i love it so much cuz it's it's incredibly true you know and 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 being in the upper echelons of these mastermind groups that was everybody's you know battle cry i need an integrator i need an integrator i had people try to hire me in the damn room like hey how much are you profiting a year um you know i'll pay you this or i'll pay you that and i'm like dude that's not not gonna happen, you know, because I've always been more of a hybrid. Visionary doesn't last very long for me. It, it lasts about, yeah. I would say, six months out. That's about as far visionary as I go out. The rest is uh, heavy integrator, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I I couldn't agree with that more. But the visionary does need to be able to at least put key players in place, lay out yeah. a roadmap, and and be able to show the integrator like, hey, you've got a team that you can coach here. That's the best way I can mm-hmm. say it. The the visionary is the president, you know. And if you're going to, if you're going to recruit a coach in, because that's what an integrator is, they're the coach that run the systems, they run the plays, you know, they do some strategy, they do some fixing of the systems, but for the most part, they're running what you're giving them, the Mm -hmm. talent pool, the organization, the facilities, the tools, they're basically stepping in and, and running with that. And they can't do that if you don't have it set up first, you know, so there's this, there's this place I think you're going to do really well in which is when when maybe they've hit that first million off of just being a badass you know and like so yeah. many entrepreneurs you and I know they're just badasses right they can do a little bit of everything they got sales you know they got marketing they got some technical skills and all that kind of stuff and so they can put together you know a good home, home service company or a good yeah. sales company or whatever the case is but then they hit this ceiling and the ceiling is All right, we need to lay everything out. We need to SOP it out. We need to create a sales program. We need to create a fulfillment program. We need to dial in our ops. We need to make sure our staff is happy, you know, Mm -hmm. HR, all these different things so that when we do hire that integrator, all he or she has to do is scale all those things. So I think you're in a good position. I think you're
0: thinking about it the right way for sure. So I think, and I think there's one other thing that I want to add to that too. So, one of the other things that I see is I learned this from someone recently that a lot of times these conservative minded businesses, and I'm not saying politically, I'm just saying, you know, these growth but conservative minded businesses, a lot of times they always feel that there is something that they're missing. There's like, hey, we're doing pretty good, but there's ah, there's just this ah, if we only had this thing, I just I wish I knew what it was. And what we've learned when we kind of heard that and we dove into our own business right now on our sales team, we realize that a lot of times we go, yeah, this is cool, but there's gotta be something else. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't hire outside talent, but I am saying that a lot of times it's sometimes the, we try to make it the easy button of, well, if I just find that person, well, if if you build it, sometimes you're going to find that the people you already have are going to be that best person. And so for me on our team, I don't have, you know, we have, I I do have the blessing of, we have a a very big company that, uh, you know, we've got over six, 700 employees in total for our company and our outside sales team is close to maybe 200 with the ops team. So we've got the operations there, but when it comes to the sales system, strictly with the people, I actually work with one of our managers. So my manager Kaylee is my go-to person. Every time that we come up with something, tomorrow we're coming up with a a marketing mastermind for a dozen of our uh, official partners. And we're doing that together because I know that together we'll have great ideas, but she's the one that's going to go. That's cool. But maybe we do that on the next one. Let's do this first. And she's able to kind of parcel it together. And so my point is, if I were the type of person to go, all right, I wish that I had this type of person and bring them into my uh, into my business and I overlook someone that I already had man, it's great to continue growing, but how much does it cost you to have a bad hire? And I'm not just talking money, I'm talking culture. If you've got someone who's already good, you should double down on the person that's there. Not always is that the best case, but a lot of times you might have that person already working with you and you should consider how you can help them leveling up because worst case scenario, worst case scenario, you go and you bring an integrator in anyways and they help you build that person's position because they already understand the, the problems that you're running into.
1: Now that's a great point. Uh so many times when I'm doing consulting, whether it's on the, the marketing side or the 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 sales team side, I, I identify that person early on. I'm like, who in your business is gonna run this program? Cause I know you're not. <laughs> I just know straight up you're gonna go back to default. So you gotta have somebody in your business that is going to execute on this. And I'm not saying every visionary is that way. Some visionaries are very good at running the play. Um but they have to have someone, especially when it comes to like a CRM or something like that. Who's the person that we're going to train when this is all said and done? And you need to be able to say something and then them go and do it. Because you can't be a visionary if you're having to do it every time, you know. And so their answer is always, "Hey, you. I'll hire you." And it's like, "No, you can't afford that. I'm sorry. <laughs> can't afford me to give up my freedom." You know what I mean? So, um, but yeah, I, I think you're headed in the in the in the right direction, brother. Um, so what's next? for you on the personal side. I know you're investing in real estate, you know, I know you're you're spending a lot of time in the gym, you're developing yourself. What's next for you personally and how do
0: you think that's going to scale your success
1: on the business side?
0: Yeah. So as we're building out these systems within the business that I currently work in, I'm going to continue to build out those frameworks for for sales consulting, because I think it is something where even if it's here, just just do this. Maybe it's a digital product. Maybe it's a mixture of digital and in-person kind of virtual, but it's here, use this and just I promise you that this is going to work for you. And if it doesn't work for you, I promise to work one-on-one until it does. Because I just know that these are are simple frameworks that are going to work in just about any sales company. So I'm putting that together to make sure that we can take the things that I've learned and I want to be able to to give that out. Uh, And of course, uh, nothing wrong with making some money while you're doing it. What I'm going to do with uh, continue to do is as we're making money as a family, uh, we're, we're taking that money and we're putting it investing into our real estate. So we've got a commercial building, we've got a couple residential, we've got a storage unit facility, and so for for me, I am I'm very much not that that typical person of clock in, clock out, have a 401k, do all that. Um, I actually don't do any of those things. Uh, I'm always working, and I'm always taking our money, and we put it into real estate. So a lot of times people would say maybe that's risky, but I believe that it's more risky for me to give my money to someone in something that I don't understand. And I really understand sales and I really understand real estate and both of those things get me excited. So that's that's what's big for me. That's that's the the personal goals. That's fantastic, brother. Well, we, we had you on
1: the show the first time and you went over your legacy. Then has anything changed since? I know you're leaning
0: heavier on the consulting side. So any adjustments to that answer? No. So I think the, you know, you asked me what legacy, what meant to me. And for me, it's taking the knowledge and information I have, roll it to the people around me that I love, but especially my kids. It was a, I had a massive impact when I heard someone say, don't tell your kids, show them because more things as Ed Mallette says are caught, not taught. And I saw that in my own life. And so I want to make sure that as I'm continuing to grow, going to different events and doing things on a real estate, especially I try to involve our kids, especially my boys, as much as possible, because even if, again, even if they don't learn a bunch of stuff, there's going to be some things that they're going to catch from time to time. I have faith, at least, that they're going to then be able to use as they continue to grow. And speaking of caught, not taught, make sure you follow Mike F.
1: Bauer on all social medias because he's putting out value and great content constantly. If anything, you will get lucky and see us kind of do it back and forth in the comments on one of his posts or on one of my posts. And there's gold in there. I promise you, there's so much gold in there. We have a lot of fun on social media. I think we put more
0: value in the comments than we do our actual posts.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's how it works, man. That's how we're like, I'll post something. And then, and then Michael comment, and it'll just be this freaking SOP on how to execute what I just posted. It's beautiful. I love it. (laughs) Love it so much. All right. I appreciate you coming on the show again, brother, and
0: getting to, getting to chop it up Likewise, man. Anytime. This is this is one of the most fun things I do each week. Absolutely. We're going to we're just going to have to do a quarterly from now on. Quarterly. Love
1: building it. Be great sales. It's time up. <laughs> let's get building. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. We appreciate it. Be sure to execute on everything that you just heard and let's get building. Before we sign off, we'd like to invite you to join our Brickyard community. Head on over to jointhebrickyard.com. Again, that's jointhebrickyard.com or click the link in the description to find out more.